you're listening to the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm your host and resident dog mom, Erin Scott. If you consider your dog a family member, then this podcast is for you. Let's celebrate the love and connection we have with our dogs. Not only can a dog be your best friend, but I believe a dog can be a healer, a teacher, and an inspiration. This is a place for us to connect in the joy of loving our dogs, and also a place where you know you're not alone in the difficult times, or in the sadness of missing a dog that was an important part of your life. I can't wait to share with you stories of how the love of a dog is changing our lives and changing the world. This is Believe in Dog. Welcome to episode 14 of the Believe in Dog podcast. Today I'm going to be speaking with Christina Lee, the founder and president of Deaf Dogs Rock based out of Salem, Virginia. This episode is a little extra special and personal to me right now. My dog Penny has been battling some allergy issues ever since we first rescued her about five years ago. For some reason, about six months ago, right before Christmas time, her allergies started showing up on her feet in these big red cysts, which are also called interdigital cysts, on her feet. And they started to get worse and worse and worse than they ever had in the last five years. And the redness started working its way up her leg, and she had these big draining cysts on her back legs. And sometimes it was even hard for her to walk because of how painful these cysts were in between her toes. I'm still not sure what had caused her condition to get worse at that time. Um, We know she has food allergies. Nothing had changed in her diet. Believe me when I tell you that we do all the things to keep her allergies at bay. So we've been working with a couple different veterinarians, and our best guess is that she has an autoimmune issue. I don't have an exact diagnosis for it. We're just considering it autoimmune. She's had some other weird things going along with this. Um, Her spleen is enlarged. Uh, We have done some testing to try to rule out lymphoma, which I I don't know. It still seems like it's not 100% ruled out. It's been a really stressful time this last couple months with Penny and with her health issues. I mean, it's been stressful for me. She's just going about her day like normal, and there is just a lesson in that with our dogs that they, you know, keep us so centered and grounded and and don't stress about things. And she really is a role model for me in that sometimes. So rewinding now to the beginning of May, since I've been working from home so much during the pandemic, I noticed that she was starting to scratch at her ears and shake her head a lot more. And so on our regular bi-weekly vet visit, I mentioned it and she checked in her ears, which Penny was not super cooperative about and was like, oh yeah, I think she has an ear infection flaring up. So we were given these drops to put in her ears that are like the super common medication that vets prescribe all the time for ear infections. And we started using them on a Saturday. So Sunday, Monday, I come home from a doctor's appointment and Penny wasn't there to greet me at the door, which is like highly unusual. And she was asleep in another room and she totally didn't hear me coming. I mean, I got to tell you for a minute when I peeked around the corner and just saw her laying in the dog bed, there was a half a second where I was like, oh my God, is my dog dead? Um, It was just that unusual that she wouldn't greet me at the door. But 
I, you know, shook her and she popped right up and was like, Hey mommy, everything's okay. And so I decided, okay, well, you know, we've been doing some extra walking and, you know, extra long car rides and stuff lately. So maybe she was just really tired. And then like a day or two later, I realized, you know, the mailman came and she didn't bark at him. And it suddenly occurred to me that she wasn't hearing these things. And that was really terrifying. So I texted our veterinarian and said, is there any possibility that this ear medication could be affecting Penny's hearing? And I started trying to like briefly summarize in text what I've just told you about her not reacting to things. So about five minutes later, the vet calls and says, yeah, you should probably stop using that medication now. I guess there is a tiny chance, it seems like it's less than 1% of an ototoxicity reaction, um, which basically means that, you know, it was toxic to hearing or the eardrum. And I guess primarily when this reaction can occur, it's because the dog has a ruptured eardrum, which Penny does not. So it's even more unusual that she had this kind of reaction to it. And all I can really say is, well, we think she'll regain her hearing in, you know, two to three weeks. So I have just been sort of beside myself, um, having a lot of dog mom guilt. Um, I don't, you know, blame our vet. I mean, she said in over 20 years of prescribing this medication, she's had maybe four other dogs that have had this kind of reaction. And it's so minimal that it doesn't even occur to her to, to say that this could be a potential side effect, um, which I get. It just sucks that it happens to my dog. And I know my vet feels terrible too, which like I said, I don't blame her in the least, but in a weird way, I guess I almost sort of, I don't know, blame myself or I wish I had said something a day or two sooner when I realized she wasn't reacting right. But I mean, if you just have like one incident, like I don't want to be like a total hypochondriac overreactor. I mean, I just thought maybe she was sleeping really hard. I don't know. Um, so I've just really been struggling with this and I, PTSD is probably like too strong of a term, but I just keep thinking of those days where we were like trying to hold her down and get these drops in her ears and she wasn't thrilled about it. And I'm trying to do this thinking I'm doing the right thing. Uh, but in actuality, I'm, you know, basically causing harm to her. Um, and that's, I've just really been struggling with that. It's been harder for me to talk about, harder for me to show up even on social media, just because I'm just really feeling really emotional about having done anything that could have possibly harmed my dog, even though obviously that was not the intention. Um, the good news is that she does seem to have regained some of her hearing. Um, it's definitely not a hundred percent. Maybe there are some ways in which that is a good thing because we have a lot of fireworks that get set, set off in our neighborhood this time of year. And so there are some nights where at least the fireworks seem to maybe be too far away for her to hear because Penny is very reactive to any kind of noises like that and gets really worked up and upset. And then when she's upset, it gets Nino upset and it's just the whole thing in the house while the fireworks are going on. So at least there is one small benefit that, you know, she's not hearing these fireworks and she's not getting as upset and in turn, everything is calmer and quieter and everybody's sleeping a little better. Uh, she definitely seems like when she's sleeping that she doesn't hear things at all, 
the way that she normally used to. So even like if I'm in the kitchen or something, she used to never miss a moment that I was in the kitchen. But now when, when she's sleeping, she just sleeps right through things. And it's just been a little bit of a weird adjustment. I know none of these things are like the end of the world, but you know, it's like you've known your dog for, you know, five years and to suddenly like have them be reacting differently to things. Um, it's just been really hard to get used to emotionally. <laughs> so this is what made me start wondering what it's like working with a deaf dog. And when you start Googling about how to communicate with a deaf dog, deaf dogs rock are like the first people that come up. And let me tell you, deaf dogs rock rocks. <laughs> They have such an amazing, informative website. There are so many amazing training videos. So I reached out to Christina Lee, who is the founder and president of Deaf Dogs Rock. And I asked her to tell me the story of how the organization started. And we talked about some training tips for working with a deaf dog. We talk about all the amazing work that Deaf Dogs Rock has done to help thousands of dogs and their people over the last decade. Christina gives me some basic lessons on where I can start working with Penny on training now that she has some level of hearing impairment. And we also talk about the danger of off-leash dogs, how you can protect yourself on a walk in case you encounter a loose or off-leash dog. And we also talk about the number one alternative to giving your dog some freedom out in nature to roam around while still keeping them safe. And it all started with a little white boxer puppy named Nitro. So now let's get started with Christina Lee. So today I'm here with Christina Lee of Deaf Dogs Rock. Hi, Christina. Hi, Erin. How are you? Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So I'm so excited to hear the story of Deaf Dogs Rock. And I always love to start asking people um, about their experience with pets growing up. I did not actually have a dog until I was 25. So I'm always curious to know, did you grow up with dogs or around other animals? Yes. My mom was one of those people, whenever we brought home a stray, uh, she would let us keep it. So we always had any where from four to six dogs, a couple of cats. I had a horse when I was a kid. Um, we even had chickens. So yeah, we've always had animals. That sounds like a fun way to grow up. Yeah. And so it sounded like from the story I was reading on your website that you already had some, some animals and some friends doing animal rescue when Nitro came into your life. Yes, I was friends with uh, Rebecca Custer. She was the um, director of the Salem Animal Shelter here in Salem, Virginia. And I would go there from time to time and photograph the animals and share it on social media. And of course, one day she called me and she said, hey, can you stop by the shelter? I have a, a dog here I want you to meet. And I thought, well, I wonder what she's up to. So I got there and she had a little deaf eight-week-old puppy that was found abandoned by the river here in Salem. Uh, it was a little white boxer puppy and it was deaf. And she wanted to know if my husband, Chris, and I would consider adopting it because she knew that we lived on a farm and we had a lot of fencing and the dog would be in really good shape living with us. So I asked my husband and he surprised me and said, I think we should go for it. And we went and adopted our first deaf dog, and his name was Nitro. Oh, I love that story. I'm assuming you didn't have any experience with deaf animals before Nitro? 
No, none whatsoever. And uh, doing the research the night before, there really wasn't a whole lot of research as far as training and things like that. We did discover Alicia McGraw's sign video for dogs. That was one of the first things we discovered, which really helped us a lot. And then, you know, once we brought Nitro home, we realized how detached he was. He wasn't really looking at me. Um, He just wasn't reacting like a regular puppy. So I kind of freaked out. And my husband said, you know what? We will get him into puppy class. We will learn the entire process. We will figure this out. And that's exactly what we did. And by the time he was 10 months old, he had his Canine Good Citizenship Award. And he was um, in therapy dog class by the time he was 12 months old. That's wonderful. What do you think it took to first start building the relationship between you and Nitro? Well, the first thing, you know, with all deaf dogs, it's all about positive reinforcement training. We do use treats and markers. So the first step is always watch me training. So we, every time a puppy looks at us, we mark it like a clicker, but instead of a clicker, we'll give them a thumbs up sign and then they get a treat. So whenever they look at us, they get a treat. So great things happen if they check in. And we do this so much that we condition them to watch us at all times. So they're always watching us. They're conditioned to do so. Oh, that is an excellent way to describe that form of training. Yeah. The only thing we promote is positive reinforcement training. We don't believe in aversive methods like shot collars or or pinch collars. Um, Deaf dogs are very, very sensitive. When they see our hands, they have to be hands of trust. They can never be punished by our hands. Our hands are communication for them and good things happen. So we don't believe in punishment. We believe in redirection giving them a better choice, and then repeating that behavior often. And so what led you and your husband to starting the Deaf Dogs Rock organization? Well, it's funny because when Nitro was in training, when he was in puppy class and going through Field of Dreams training, word got out and one of our local friends in media did a big story on Nitro and how a Deaf Dog was in training and he was learning sign language. And then that story went national. And once that story went national, we started receiving a lot of emails like, oh my God, I have a deaf dog. I need help. Or I have a dog I need to bring home. I need help. And so Chris and I sat down and we decided together that we would work together and build a nonprofit organization that would promote deaf dogs, that would provide training resources, and that would also put up adoption listings for shelters across the country to promote deaf dogs available for adoption. And then a couple years after that, we got into sponsoring deaf dogs into rescue. So now we sponsor anywhere from 150 to 170 deaf dogs into partner rescues across the United States every year. That's wonderful. I think I saw on your website that there's been over 2,500 deaf dogs adopted through your organization. I think we need to update that. I think it's probably closer to 4,000. That's kind of an old that's an old number. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we do, it's really increased a lot in the last two years because now probably half our listings are from shelters and humane societies. I saw you have, oh my gosh, you have so many amazing resources on your website. So many training tips, um, life hacks, products that you recommend. There's all kinds of videos. It really is just so hugely comprehensive and and a lot of it's applicable to training any dog, you know? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. We try to make it for families that have deaf and hearing dogs because you can apply any of those training techniques to hearing dogs as well. 
And so tell me some more about all the things that you did with Nitro. It sounds like he had a really exciting life. Oh, Nitro. Nitro was one of those dogs that only comes around once in your life. And um, he was an amazing puppy. I could take him anywhere. I took him to um, conferences with me all the time. He used to go to all the blog post conferences. And of course, he was a star as soon as he got there. And we would go to all the sessions and he would just lay down and go to sleep. And he just was so good. He was just such a good dog. And he was such a great ambassador for deaf dogs. And he was my first boxer. Like people would meet him and they would go, how is he a boxer? I've never seen such a calm boxer. And he was just a happy, calm boxer. He was just a wonderful dog. He's really sweet. I was actually looking into this. As I told you, I've had an experience with my dog having some hearing loss that we hope is temporary. It seems the most common form or the most common reason that dogs are deaf is a genetic predisposition. Is that correct in your knowledge? It's always going to have to do with genetics. Some of it is uh, double merle breeding when you're breeding a merle to merle gene. Um, All the puppies born to double merle breeding, 25% of those puppies, there's a a chance they might be deaf and deaf and blind. A lot of the dogs we do see that are deaf are are pigment issues. They're born white and um, they don't have enough color pigment for their hearing to develop because it takes color pigment. So, you know, it has to do, there is a lot of genetics. There's probably a hundred breeds on that list that might have some genetic predisposition to at least maybe five to 10% of those dogs being born deaf. With Dalmatians, it's a little bit higher. I think it's like 30%. A white dog and a white boxer in particular is is what I think of, you know, that, yeah. that that's very common. Yeah. And I, I read that the unpigmented dogs, in addition to just having trouble with hearing, that they can have other nervous system and other health issues also. Has that been your experience? Some of them. As a matter of fact, we uh, we just transported Charlie to deaf, blind chocolate lab. I don't even know how he's deaf and blind, but we just transported him a couple of days ago. And uh, we noticed right away, not only is he heartworm positive, he's just a puppy, but he also has some neurological issues. And so right now we're running a, um, a fundraiser on our Facebook page because we need to raise funds for him to see a specialist. Oh, wow. This poor guy's got a lot going on. Yeah, he does. He's sweet. And so your family, you've continued to have more uh, deaf dogs uh, join your family. Is that right? That's right. We have have our deaf boxer, Bud. We have our deaf Boston Bowie. We have a unilaterally deaf boxer, Axel Blue. And when we rescued him out of Ohio, we thought he was completely deaf. But his hearing is, if he's facing you, his hearing isn't too bad. If he's facing away from you, he he doesn't react at all. But I think he's learned to really, even though he's unilaterally deaf, he's really, um, he pays attention to my face. He can tell just by if my eyebrows go up. Like if when I'm getting ready to play with him, if my eyebrows go up, he knows we're going to play. Like he knows something's going to happen. So, and then we also have... A deaf chihuahua, one and a half year old, that will be coming from California from our partner rescue, Deaf Dog Rescue of America. We just got approved for his adoption. So he's going to be coming across country in the next two weeks to join us. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah. So we'll have four deaf dogs here and one senior hearing dog. 
And you live on a farm, is that right? Yeah, we have a little five-acre farm, but we're in the mountains of Virginia. And we're surrounded by Haven State Game Refuge. So we're surrounded by 7,000 acres of uh, undeveloped land. It's mostly mountainous where, you know, there's all the wildlife and, you know, we have everything fenced and cross-fenced for the dogs. We have horses and we have chickens and gardens and, you know, so we just, we spend all of our time here. That sounds like doggy heaven. (laughs) (laughs) It is doggy heaven. And it's human heaven too. Yeah. (laughs) So what do you wish people knew about adopting a deaf dog? Well, I think the first thing is, and I tell everybody, when you're considering adopting a deaf dog, do your research, study the training, study the sign training, the positive reinforcement training, and make sure you have enough commitment and time to really commit to the training. Because I always tell people, when you get a puppy, you need to spend at least the first year, every opportunity you have to train that dog. You need to take it out in public. You need to take it everywhere with you. You need to sign it up for a group positive reinforcement training class in your area. Just give that dog one year of everything that you can. And for the next 10 to 15 years, you're going to have a great dog. I mean, it's a lot of work, but it's worth it if you can do it. I saw a quote on your website that just melted my heart that said, deaf dogs hear with their hearts. They do. They do. And, you know, they just, I think they are so much more tuned in to their handlers than a hearing dog. And they're not distracted by noise. And they really do, they not only hear with their hearts, but they can feel. I think they are just so much tuned into us. I was thinking that it would be, you know, such a different relationship to just all be based on, you know, eye contact and hand signals. And it's something that's been on my mind a lot lately in case I have to start moving in that direction. But it seems like like you said, it would be a challenge, but the, there's still so much, so many rewarding benefits to it that, that could bring you even closer to your dog. Well, it's just like um, when Nitro, oh my gosh, Nitro loved the dog park. He loved the dog park. He loved all of his friends at the dog park. And I could sign, it doesn't matter what end of the dog park he was on, I could sign the words time to go home. He would stop what he was doing and he would run to the gate and he would meet me there. And people would just be like, I can't even get my dog to come to me at the dog park. And they're just, that's how tuned in they are. That, I mean, seriously, that's how tuned in they are. So it's, it's, they have superpowers. They really do. They're, there's something else when, when you put the time into it. I saw on your website that you said that you ended up learning ASL, American Sign Language, so that you could communicate better with deaf people in the community. And I guess that was making me wonder, are there deaf people who seek out deaf dogs? Yes, we have a huge deaf community that are specifically looking to adopt deaf dogs. And we have a lot of them that already have deaf dogs or several deaf dogs. And um, I get emails every single day uh, with deaf family members looking for deaf dogs So, yeah, I mean, they want a dog, you know, there's so much prejudice against deaf people and they want a dog where no one's going to be prejudiced against that dog. They're going to save that dog from being maybe put to sleep just because it's deaf. And they're going to teach that dog sign language 
and they're going to be able to communicate with that dog through their own language. And um, we that, that's why we just added Savannah. I don't know if you've seen Savannah, our um, dog trainer on our videos. She does everything in sign language for our deaf community members. And they can actually go and watch Savannah. Even if they don't have a deaf dog, they can learn to train their hearing dogs just by watching Savannah do her sign training videos. Oh, that is amazing. Yeah, I waited nine years to meet somebody like Savannah. And oh, I'm so excited to have her on our team. And she does a really good job. She's got uh, her, uh, I believe sure her parents are deaf and she's got one sister that's deaf. So she's very fluent in American Sign Language. And she's got this beautiful uh, deaf blue healer, Sydney, and they do all the videos together and they do such a good job. They really do a good job. Oh, that is what a beautiful story that is. And what an asset she'll be for, for so many people. She's wonderful. That always like shakes me up a little. I know, I cry. <laughs> so do you have any favorite tips or life hacks uh, that you've learned along the way that you want to share? I think, you know, most of the emails I get are, or messages I get are people that have new um, puppies. And the crate training is such a challenge because puppies are very smart. They will test you. So you can put a deaf puppy in a crate and then it'll scream its head off. And if you let it out of the crate, guess what? It's training you. So <laughs> um, I think the, a lot of the problems come from they just put them in a crate at night. They try to put it in a crate at night to go to bed and then they try to sleep and the puppy screams all night. And so what we're trying to do is educate them that, Crates aren't just for at night. They should be fed all their meals in their crate. They should get special fun toys in their crate. They get If they just walk in their crate and sit down, they get a special treat. We have our puppies take naps a couple of times in the afternoon in their crates. They're out for an hour and a half or two, and then they go in their crate for a nap. And so it has to be a daily thing where they're in and out of their crate all day long, and the crate is their den, and it's a good place. And once, if you start them off right in the crate training, it'll be a lot easier for people to sleep if they do. So we really, we, we write about a lot about it and uh, we try to impress with people how important it is. Because I mean, if you have to go into town, you can't leave a puppy loose in your house. You have to be able to crate it to where it's safe and it's not hurting itself trying to get out. Right. Yeah. Build that positive reinforcement. Yeah. Yeah. The crate. Yeah. I was, it was making me think of, uh, our dog Nino loves his crate because it just like rains treats anytime that he's in there. <laughs> oh, Nitro was so cute because when he figured out he got a treat every time he went into his crate, he would go in there and he would like sit for an hour just waiting for it. He'd just be like, mom, 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 I'm in my crate. <laughs> And then he'd come out. He was so cute. He loved. He used to. He loved his kennels. We've got a kennel in the bedroom for him. He would sit at the hallway gate and just sit and look at us when it was ten o'clock. And like if we wanted to stay up late, he would just cry at the gate and say, "I want to go to bed. I want to go to bed." So he loved his crate. So one of the things that I saw in your life hacks that I loved was about using a long line for exercise. And that was something that I wish all dog owners were aware of. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we see a lot of uh, 
I guess like unleashed dogs on in like state parks and stuff near us. And, and I, you know, it can be really, you know, obviously really frustrating when, you know, you're trying to walk and this stranger dog runs up on you and, you know, you never kind of know what to expect and people like to give them the chance to run, but you can actually get a, a long line leash that will give them more freedom, but also keep them tethered to you. I tell you, the long lines are great for recall training. And, and like you said, in parks and things, when people have no idea when they, let their dogs run and those dogs run up on other people that they could be running up on a reactive dog. They could be running up on a dog that's been attacked in the past. And, and even though they're yelling at you, my dog's friendly, my dog's friendly, it, it can be overwhelming for another dog. And so we just hope people, you know, consider that it's not all about them. You know, if there's a leash law, they should have a leash on and, or at the very least have a long line where they can pull the dog back to them. Right. Yeah. Every year we rent a beach house where we're allowed to bring, it's a private community where you can have dogs on the beach. And so that's what we do is, you know, if nobody's around, we keep them on the long line so that they can do some exploring. But, you know, if somebody does show up, you know, we can, we can still get them under control within just, you know, a couple seconds. Yeah, we, you know, when I'm walking, especially when I'm walking alone and I might have three or four dogs with me, I am, I've got several things. I've got a citronella spray can. I actually have a stun gun and not that you'd ever have to use a stun gun, but if you, like I saw two dogs barreling down on me on the road one day, all I have to do is get my stun gun out. And if they hear that sound, all I have to do is press the power button the sound, that electrocution sound is so loud. My deaf dogs can't hear it, but the hearing dogs can. And man, they stopped and they ran the other direction. I also have a, a really loud beeper. If I press the button, it beeps really loud. So I have a few things that if strange dogs were to run up on me, I have a few noises that can stop them in their tracks and make them turn around. And I also have my dog's clip to a belt around me so that if I do need to become hands-free, I can. Those are all really brilliant tips. <laughs> you just never know. Yeah. Even just living, you know, we just live in a very suburban area, but I mean, you know, dozens of times over the years, we've had dogs just, you know, run out of the yard or, you know, there's, uh, you know, got out of the fence or, yeah. you know, somebody's pet sitting and the dog got out. And, you know, we've had all these kind of things just walking through the suburbs. <laughs> it's scary. I mean, I just had a friend, Amanda, she was getting out of her car and a German shepherd jumped a fence and got a hold of her chihuahua and Winston almost died. It was just devastating. She has a blog, right? Yes. Dog Mom Days. Yes. I've been following her blog. Yeah. And we love Winston. We just love him so much. It makes you think like, gosh, it just could happen at any time. I'm always just amazed that it's as common as it is, you know, for dogs to, you know, get out and, and kind of come running up on someone. And I was also wondering about how often that you get contacted by, you know, other shelters and rescues uh, around the country when they, you know, find that they have a deaf dog in their care. It's every day. Yeah. Every day. Every single day. Yeah. Um, I spend probably six hours a day online just answering emails. And we do have 10 uh, partner rescues throughout the United States. So my job is when those requests come in from the shelter, like uh, Lupin yesterday, 
we had the Charleston Humane Society uh, contact me about a week ago about a deaf dogo named Lupin. And so um, they sent me all the evaluation papers on him and his evaluation, he sounded like just a wonderful dog. I mean, just laid back, sweet, you know, all the tests. He just, he, he uh, got past them with flying colors. So I reached out to our partner rescue, DC Dogos Rescue. And um, even though Pamela didn't have room, she, I sent her the evaluations and then she's like, oh yeah, we got to get him. And they actually tried to get him from the owner a year prior. And so Lupin went into rescue yesterday. He was picked up oh. from the shelter. And so that is what I, that is my job. That's what I do is I um, try my best to link the shelters and the rescues together. And then of course we sponsor them into rescue to pay for their bedding and things like that. But yeah, so we, that's what we do. We facilitate the rescues from the shelters. And a lot of times we do the transport too. So it just depends. Wow. You must have a very busy schedule. It's very busy. <laughs> it's very busy, but I do try to, you know, I try to break that like that six hours. I'll do two hours in the morning, two in the afternoon, and sometimes two at night. And I try to break it up throughout my day because I want to spend time with my dogs also an artist. I do some dog art. So I try to do my art when I get a chance and, or, you know, just get outside and try to break it up. So it's not all the time. Oh, it's just wonderful. You're just doing so much wonderful stuff. Oh. And I, it, it just is extra special to me right now. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Personally. Oh, sweet Penny. You got to start signing to her though. Yeah. Yeah. Just start even even when you're feeding her, just give her that time to eat. Time to eat. It's funny, we, we have a couple little signals that we've developed over the years. She there is nothing she loves more in the world than going for a car ride. And obviously she can't go with me every time I leave the house. Um, but lately, since uh, I've been working from home more, I, she has actually been coming with me a lot. Um, so we have like a signal that we do if she's not coming because she'll start to get excited. And then, you know, I kind of have this hand motion that I do that's like, nope, not this time. Aww. And then she'll kind of be like, oh. <laughs> and uh, and I, I was just thinking, you know, and, and even with food and, you know, saying like we make them kind of like wait until we tell them to go yeah, and then we'll kind you. of lift our hands yeah. and tell them okay go you know I started realizing that we have a lot of these things that we're doing and I'm gonna have to try to make it a point to do them without speaking you know while doing it well you can still speak I mean I still speak when I'm signing I, because they're reading my facial expression expression so it's really important to still talk because okay. if you're not talking you you don't have any facial expressions Right. And, that's very true. And part, it's just like part of um, American sign language is your facial expressions. When you ask a question, your eyebrows need to go up. Do you see what I mean? Right. But it's no different when you're talking to a deaf dog. He's, he's not only watching your sign language, but he's reading your body language and he's reading your facial expressions. Oh, right. Okay. Well, that's, a, you're teaching me something right now. <laughs> if you get a chance, um, make sure you look at uh, beginning sign training on our website because Alicia's video, I mean, it is so good. Um, it's the first video I ever watched way before I knew, knew Alicia. And um, it's, it's our go-to video for all of them. She's an interpreter also. And from the minute we launched our website, she was the first thing we put up there, her video on signing to your dog. Okay. Wow. 
Do you have any uh, stories that you'd love to share about adopting out dogs to different families? Gosh, there's so many. Mm. Favorite rescue stories. That's what I was trying to say. (laughs) Well, uh, Indy always comes to mind. Um, Indy was a little deaf boxer puppy that was um, at the Hamilton County Animal Shelter. And that was uh, in Indianapolis. And that's why Indy is named Indy. But um, that dog came in and I had uh, sent a text to one of my Facebook friends that had been waiting for a deaf boxer. And but she was like six to eight hours drive away. And so she was going to get in her car and bring her other boxer and drive all the way to Indianapolis. So we tried to get the shelter to hold the puppy because she was driving six hours, but they wouldn't hold the puppy. And so we put a post up on Duff Dogs Rock that said, oh, they're not going to hold the puppy and she's on her way. And so a lot of our followers went to their page and said, please hold the puppy, please hold the puppy for Vicky. And we blew up their page. We blew it up so much that someone locally that didn't even know Vicky drove 45 minutes to the shelter and held the puppy and so that nobody else could adopt it until Vicky got there. <laughs> Vicky got there like 15 minutes right before they closed. And the meet and greet was a hit. And she did get her puppy. And the uh, director of the shelter had to put up a special post saying, okay, y'all just calm down. We're going to hold the puppy for her. Cause they have, you know, and I totally understand why they won't hold the puppy. Cause you know, otherwise people are going to say, hold the puppy, hold the puppy, hold the puppy. Right. And they don't show up. So, but, um, so Indy's probably, Indy's like eight years old now. So that was eight years ago and it's still one of my favorite stories. It's so beautiful, you know, seeing how willing people are to to help a dog in need or, you know, to help you know, unite people and dogs. Yeah. And sometimes when there's a lot of ugliness in the world, I guess that it's focusing on things like that, that, <laughs> that help keep me going. True. It's, it's true. The last couple of days, I'm like, I'm not getting on social media. The only time I'm getting on social media is to look at Deaf Dogs Rock Facebook page, answer messages and my email. And that's all I'm doing. Right. I need to stay positive. I need to stay positive. I get that. Well, thank you so much for your time today. You're so welcome. It's such a pleasure to talk to you and um, make sure if you have any questions, if you run across any challenges with Penny to feel free to email me for your listeners. um, If they need any training tips on their deaf dogs, have them go to deafdogsrock.com and you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at deafdogsrock. All right. And it, like I said, there's so many resources and it, it's really amazing. I think, you know, I've, I've tried to build uh, websites with organizations I volunteer with and we always have in our heads what you have, <laughs> but ours never turn out that well. I'm very lucky. I'm very, very, very lucky. I'm a creative person and my husband's an IT guy. So, you know, we sat next to each other on our computers and we launched that. That's a global site. We launched it in two weeks. Oh, wow. yeah, we do need to update it. I told him the other day, I go, when you get time, we really need to do a redesign because we haven't done a redesign in about four years and it might be good time to kind of update everything. But Your vision comes through and it, it is, you. you know, just such a great resource. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
I'm so grateful to Christina Lee for coming on the podcast today and telling us the story of Nitro and of Deaf Dogs Rock, and I'm so appreciative of all the information that she shared with us today. This episode actually accomplishes all three goals that I had when starting the podcast. Number one, we're sharing the story of an amazing person who was inspired by the love of their dog to step out of their comfort zone in some way, whether that was by starting an organization, creating a business. But Christina and her husband, Chris, have now created this awesome organization that has helped over 4,000 dogs get adopted and has thereby touched thousands of lives. Goal number two for the podcast is to explore ways to strengthen our bond with our dogs and exploring all new ways that we can do that. I might have said in a previous episode, but I'm going to say it again, that I almost wish that the word training was a different word because I feel like training sounds like this negative job that we have to do, or it makes me think of when you see like those uh, pedigreed dog competitions on television and everybody's sort of like trotting around a ring. Like that's what I think of when I think training, like confirmation, like something really like formal obedience type stuff. But training should really be like this word that means like fun way to build relationship with your dog and teach them how to safely and successfully live in the world with you. I've been exploring the various training videos on the Deaf Dogs Rock website, and I have to tell you, when I started with the beginning sign training video, I was really overwhelmed. <laughs> they go very quickly through a lot of different signs that incorporate American Sign Language in them. And then there are other videos that break down how to teach the command with one specific sign at a time, which is the part that I'm on. I don't know if you've ever stopped and thought about how many times a day that you talk to your dog to tell them to do something or just to be silly or funny, you know, have funny little uh, rhymes or songs that you sing to your dog. And while, of course, they don't understand exactly what we're saying, I think that they can understand the tone of what we're saying or the fact that it's being silly time or play time. And this experience has just really made me, you know, really think about the implications of what it would mean to have a dog that can't hear. Now, Penny is not 100% uh, hearing impaired. Um, I'd say at her worst, it was maybe she maybe had 40% of her hearing. And I'd say it's improved up to maybe 70% of her hearing. And, you know, I'm optimistic that maybe that will get better over time, but I don't know whether it will or not. But it's definitely made me more conscious of how much I'm talking to my dogs and how much I can try to incorporate doing a sign with my hands uh, at the same time. And, you know, I had mentioned to Christina, we have a couple little sort of informal signs that we've developed over the years. And so I know that they look for those cues. So anyway, this has just been a really good learning exercise for me to start being more aware and intentional about what I'm saying and how I'm saying it and what I'm doing with my hands when I'm communicating these things. I also think that Christina is so awesome for going to school to learn how to become fluent in American Sign Language. Pretty much all that I know is the alphabet, which I remember learning, I don't know, in elementary school or maybe in Girl Scouts. And I still know how to do the whole alphabet, but I do it super duper slowly. So I really admire Christina's going back and learning that so that she'd be able to communicate more with the deaf people who were coming to her organization to adopt deaf dogs. That just really touched my heart. 
there's actually something that I have been intending to do with the podcast, which is to get it transcribed. There are several different services over the internet that will transcribe your podcast recordings for you. I thought this was a good one to start with because I want Christina to be able to share it with the deaf members of her community as well. And then the goal will be for me to go back and have the previous episodes transcribed also. I'm not 100% sure if I'll have the transcription ready at the same time the audio recording is ready. Going through the transcription is kind of like when you convert a PDF document into Word. And it's like a lot of it's the same, but then there's like some funky words or spellings or shapes. Uh, It's kind of like the audio version of that. And so this brings us to goal number three of mine when I started the podcast, which is to be able to talk about some of the emotionally difficult parts of being a dog mom or a dog dad, because I guess I just always want people to know that they're not alone. There are a lot of amazing, awesome, fun, heartwarming parts of having a dog or having any pet in your life, but there are also times when it can be heartbreaking, when you can feel like you did the wrong thing, have that dog mom guilt, uh, have concerns, be second guessing yourself or your decisions struggling with your dog's health issues or trying to get a proper diagnosis or a proper treatment plan in place, Uh, having a dog that's, you know, shy or reactive or fearful or doesn't behave in a way that is what you thought or expected or had hoped for. Our expectations, I guess, are often out of line for reality and then we have (laughs) feelings around that. It was certainly never my expectation that by using a common medication on my dog that I would somehow do damage to her hearing. But my dogs have always challenged me to step out of my comfort zone and I like to think that I've always risen to the to the challenge and uh, I'm sure that Penny and I will find our way through this and it'll make our bond even stronger than it already is. And I'll share some of that journey with you along the way. Also, since I'm recording this over Father's Day weekend, I wanted to make sure to say Happy Father's Day to all the dog dads out there, to my dad, and especially Tim, the special dog dad that's in our life. Uh, If it wasn't for Tim, I wouldn't even be a dog mom because he's the one that wanted to get our dog Lucy in the first place. I I was sort of the reluctant dog owner, and yet now it's taken over my whole life. Uh, So thank you, Tim, and happy Father's Day, and I guess I also feel like if you're somebody who has a lot of mixed feelings or bittersweet feelings around days like this, uh, I also understand that too, and, and you're not alone with that either. So we can wrap up this episode of the Believe in Dog podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you again to Christina Lee of Deaf Dogs Rock. Make sure you check the show notes. I'll have links to the organization's website and social media pages, as well as to some of the training videos and the other links that we discussed along the way. Remember, you can always follow me at Believe in Dog Podcast on Facebook and at Believe in Dog Podcast with underscores on Instagram. Christina has been kind enough to share some of her favorite photos with Nitro with us, so I'll have a special album set up on Facebook and Instagram. You have to see Nitro's incredibly adorable smushy boxer face. And if you'd like to support the podcast, I always appreciate your five-star ratings or reviews on Apple Podcasts. They really do help more people find the show. 
So that's it for this episode of the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm Erin Scott, sending hugs and belly rubs. Mm -hmm.